I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, 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 and welcome to The New Normal, the show where we talk about life and feminism in quarantine. So today, our guest is the fabulous Rubes Walsh, almost Dr. Rubes Walsh. Uh, Rubes has been on the show a few times, on The Guilty Feminist a few times. Uh, She is a popular guest. And uh, today, she is going to talk to us about her time in quarantine, but also, excitingly, about skin hunger. I'm just looking for my... This is... I mean, this is genuinely how TV is made now. I'm, I, I've, I've said it before, but Graham Norton's exactly the same. It's just him in a chair looking at the floor. Um, so let me see if Rubes is there. And... Connecting. Hey! Hello! It's Rubes J. Walsh, almost Dr. Rubes J. Walsh. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. Yeah, going slowly mad and locked inside my own home. How are you? I, I'm very well. And you you live and work in Amsterdam, don't you? I do, yeah. I mean, I know that. I say as if I don't know, but I'm saying it for the audience. Uh, I obviously know very well that you do, but I'm just trying to be a professional. Yeah, <laughs> I believe you live and work in Amsterdam. I do um, live and work in Amsterdam, yes. And can you tell our wonderful New Normal viewers a little bit about what it is that you do and what you've talked about on the podcast before? Sure. Um so I mean, you don't have work... to recap everything you've said on the podcast before, but just give yourself context. Just for context, sure. Because you're so, interesting. Context, who the hell is Rubes? Rubes, um, I do, um, as you say, I'm nearly at the end of my PhD now um, in developmental neuropsychology at the Freie Universiteit in Amsterdam, looking at um, social cognitive development in adolescence and how that relates to mental health outcomes. Um, Wonderful. So that's basically it. Um, now, how, the first question on the new normal is, how the hell are you? Mm, um, you know. <laughs> I think in lockdown I'm... alone? <laughs> Sorry? In lockdown alone? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm fine, except that I'm extremely alone and very irrational. Um, I mean, join the club. Um, yeah. This is, this is the extremely irrational club. I'm not, I'm not alone. I have Tom and three cats. Uh, but uh, there are no other people in my my world or my life. And I know that's not the same as being completely alone, of course. Um, it, it's weird. We're all having the same experience completely differently. Yeah. yeah I think people are going to come out of this in like, like, at some, like in like 2025, 
mm. people are going to like meet in a bar and go, were you locked down alone during coronavirus? Because you have all the same weird coping mechanisms that I do left over from that. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. <laughs> I really think it's going to have a really, like a developmental effect basically on all of us. Interesting. Oh, someone's already suggested your t-shirt, extremely alone and extremely irrational. <laughs> um, so uh, Rubes, you will know because you've watched the show, but if anyone's tuned in for the first time today, uh, the merch store do a, an on-demand t-shirt based on something the guest has said. This is a slogan, so it would say, extremely alone, extremely irrational, ex Rubes J. Walsh, the new normal, <laughs> stay at home. Uh, and you'll be able to buy that t-shirt and all of the money will go directly to Rubes. The merch store doesn't take a cut and neither do we. So uh, I've, I can't imagine you're going to say anything better than that for that t-shirt. Uh, and we could end the interview there, really. Um, but let's oh, all not. Right, then. Um, <laughs> go. Um, what are your coping strategies for being alone in, in, in quarantine? Um, <laughs> I don't challenge myself. I just do exactly what I can manage and not a drop more. Excellent. That's um, a good strategy. It's, it's a really good strategy. Like, yeah. I think at one stage I was really throwing myself into work and it was, and that was okay for a while. And then at some point that just became quite, um, yeah, maladaptive really, because I was getting very stressed out about things that no longer matter because we never mm. leave our house and like, Who's going to tell me off about a deadline if, mm. you know I mean? like, yeah? So because nobody else is meeting their deadlines either, so they're not really deadlines anymore. They're just sort of lines, lines, exactly. Um, so arbitrary I, lines. I tried to stop doing that, but I'm I'm right. still a little bit of a workaholic in my very weird way, but I'm coping. Has anything about this experience surprised you? Um. Either your response or the human race's response or the Amsterdam response. how socially anxious I can be without ever seeing anyone. Mm. I get very socially anxious on, I've talked to you about this before, but I get very socially anxious on video chats. I never, like, I, 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 I always did. Um, but, like, that being my main way of interacting with people has done something to me. And mm. I no longer have this sort of specific thing of, like, oh, it's a video chat, therefore I'm anxious. All of my sort of more usual social anxiety stuff of like did i say the wrong thing mm -hmm. that is that so, seems to just be really kind of weirdly heightened and um yeah and just different somehow I makes sense it, i had that in early on in week one i crashed a house party and then two of the people immediately left and i was like it's me it's things i've said and i started going everything everything i'd said and i contacted the person i knew best who had stayed on and talked to me and said did i completely crashed that and she said no 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 they were gonna you know they were gonna they were gonna go anyway but i was like were they how do you know uh, someone's saying love your glasses deborah trelise cooper who is a new zealand designer who's actually just offered to give me some new glasses because i broke one of their pairs thank you shout out to trelise cooper check them out online um, <laughs> been plugging them they've, enough. Got, <laughs> they've got a sale on at the moment they've got a sale on uh, on on their reading glasses um can i ask you Mm. Um, and this is, I'm very interested in your response to this because this is a quite a new question. I've only asked a few people on the new normal, but it's about how we think it might change intimacy, how, how it might change our attitude towards sex. Um, so I was having a call and we, we were talking about um, theatre, when theatres would open again. And I said, one of my predictions for a post-COVID 
post-vaccine world, yeah. not just a post-lockdown, but a post-vaccine world, one of my predictions is we will dress up to go to the theatre again. There'll be none of this scruffy jeans and, you know, it just ha come in how you are. People will make a night of it and people will take joy. I don't mean they have to dress expensively, but I mean no, but they will put thought into what they wear and how they look. And like, there'll be a joy in dressing up. And my yeah. other prediction on this work call was that there would be lots of orgies. Um, and, and everyone went, good second prediction. And I was like, you know, we were kind <laughs> of joking about it, but I said, but I don't think they'll be like uh, we imagine orgies to be now, or if we've experienced them, I think it'll be much more, there'll be a corner for just touching hands and there'll be a corner for yeah, olfactory yeah, yeah. senses, perfume corner. And in fact, I pitched this so hard that in the end, we were like, let's make this event happen. <laughs> so there's a corner where you just, you can touch hands. It's like a consent warehouse where you go and you can touch consent hands. Then, then it's warehouse. just, there's another one for eye contact. There's another one for, per there's lots of perfumes and you can s let each other smell things. There's a sort of, there's a one where you just look, there's all these amazing aerial burlesque dancers. And so as you go through different parts of your senses are being triggered, there's a kissing corner, which again is a consent kissing corner. And so we're much more in this. I mean, this is just something I invented on a Zoom call, to be honest. Let's not get carried away. Yeah, but, I mean, I, to be honest, the orgies that I'm impatiently waiting for at the end of this are a little bit less tame than that. But... I'm not saying there's not going to be a full sex corner. Okay, good. I am saying that. <laughs> That's where I you'll think, find me. <laughs> I think this. I think this will slow us down, and I think we'll we'll want to kind of just look in someone's eyes again for a while, and then touch their hand, and so. Oh, you were so, telling yeah, me about so something <laughs> you were you were telling me about something called skin hunger yeah um could you please tell us more about what that is sure um well the preface is it's not really something i've studied that directly myself um i first encountered the idea um because when we were setting up our neuroimaging um studies here we were obviously it was about um social interactions. So we were sort of simulating social interactions in the scanner. And there's quite a bit of work showing that threat um, sensitivity is a lot higher if you're on your own and depending on who you're with, but um, especially if you're with somebody who you're close to and especially if they're touching you, touching was the biggest difference, bigger than who it was, being physically touched by somebody reduced your um, reduce the anxiety related activation when you were anticipating an electric shock, for example. This was not our study, this was um, another study. Um, I don't shock people. So if someone much. holds your hand before you get an injection, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's re it reduces the anxiety of getting the injection because you're yeah, holding what's happening. But not just children. I mean, this is the thing, right? This is mm -hmm. the, the point about skin hunger is that, you know, for children, it's, um, it's very normal to be like, you know, it hurt and now I need mummy to touch my skin and make me feel better. Mm, kiss it better. Um, yeah, exactly. And, um, and there was some very unethical experiments done with monkeys where they replaced um, the mother with a sort of basically a wire frame or like a... Oh, oh my God. The wire frame was the one with the food. The infant monkeys didn't eat because they would only go to the one that was you know, tactile, felt like a real mother monkey. I can't even bear that. That's the worst thing I've ever heard of. It's a horrible why, experiment. Why but... do we do that to monkeys? We should do well, it with consensual I don't people. Think, I don't think they'd get away with it now. 
thankfully. No, but. so much was done in the 60s and 70s, which is before ethics had troubled the psychological community oh, very much. I mean, speaking of, speaking of ethics in psychological research, just today, a paper in eNeuro has been retracted that I've been stomping my feet about for months. It came out in, what, November last year? And the whole purpose of the paper was just to say that trans people could be fixed and that we shouldn't be allowed to exist as trans, that we should be sort of um, chemically forced to be uh, cisgender. Oh God, um, I'm sorry. And yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's been retracted, um, which doesn't happen that often. Usually if something's been retracted, it's because there was, you know, somebody lied about their data, literally lied. But this, this paper didn't have any original data in it. He just kind of, Basically, he looked at hamsters and then at the fact that hormones make trans people less depressed about the, you know, the shape of our bodies and then went, oh, well, it must be because um, estrogen is a neuromodulator, so therefore, which it isn't. It's, it's, I mean, it sort of can work like one, but it's not exactly the same thing. It's a hormone. You know, it's anyway, it was very, very exciting to hear that it's been retracted. I'm a little bit worried about the blowback now, but I'm mm. excited that like we've been heard because um, there's a big team of really far far more qualified people than me kind of going well this isn't how that brain area functions at all because mm. um, it was just bad science um, and the, the reason well, I'm glad it's been retracted yeah I mean I think there's an interesting debate about about retraction as well that there's in some ways there might be value to sort of going this paper is bullshit but not actually retracting it per se. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that's a whole other debate, but I, I, I only mention it because when you said about like research ethics, um, mm -hmm. there, are, there are so many dimensions of research ethics that just get completely ignored still. And um, we, we will, I'm, I am sure, come back to uh, the trans issue on when we get to your question about uh, feminist actions um <laughs> but uh is there are there any experiments with humans about skin hunger that demonstrate we need oh, yeah. the touch of skin yeah so there's um a paper by hang on let me just i wrote the name down especially for you deborah thank um, you you're welcome um holt lundstad is the name of the person holt lundstad yeah um i think it's a woman and she, she did two um, two meta-analyses where you take the data from lots of other people's papers and put them together. And she worked out that going without um, intimate touch, which isn't sex necessarily, mm -hmm. although sex does qualify, but would be intimate touch and holding hands and all of that stuff. So not touch like uh, someone putting their hand on your arm and saying, uh, have you got the time? And not touch like someone guiding you, a doctor saying, you know, can yeah, I touch exactly. your... Might count a bit, but they but the, the study was the really intention of the touch is important. Touch. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, and the 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 sort of broad brushstrokes of the finding was basically it's about as bad for you as smoking or being what? severely obese to go without intimate touch for more than a couple of days. So. People who For are, more than a couple of days. Yeah. So people who are really socially isolated, it has really profound effects on um, their, their physical health as well as their mental health. Mm. Um, and the, 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 
part of the reason that I was thinking about it and it mentioned it in our conversation the other day was that, you know, there's this, um, there's this idea of allostatic load. So mm -hmm. allostasis refers to the things that your body does to survive that it doesn't do the rest of the time. So the obvious, the most frequently sort of cited example would be flight or fight, right? That is an example of allostasis. Like your body does something that's fundamentally quite unhealthy, but enables you to get through a dangerous situation. And right. And inside alive and able to reproduce. Because obviously that's what biology is kind of trying to achieve is reproduction. Mm -hmm. Selfish gene, yeah. Exactly. I mean, no, I'm not going to start that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, that, that idea, that, that idea in common parlance. But that, that general to, idea, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we need to keep, yeah, pr pr we need to keep pumping out more, more of our likeness. We don't really, but... No. Yeah, our, our, our biological imperative is that, yeah. Exactly. Um, so the, so, so, that, so that's, that's something that the body does, but there are, I mean, I don't know if there's millions, but there's thousands and thousands of ways in which that can be, um, that, that can take place. And one really important dimension of that is the social dimension. And it's obviously very understudied because of course it is, um, because the people who it most affects are marginalized people. So, mm -hmm. for example, um, there's a protein found in blood called C-reactive protein that's involved in inflammatory responses. Um, and it's found in much higher levels in... <laughs> yeah, Chloe is right. It's not yeah. my area of study. I don't know all the answers to all the questions. But, but, but very, people very are true. asking, just people are asking, um, oh, right. what about people who don't like to be touched and feel uncomfortable? Or what about people who don't like physical touch? But presumably those people are outliers and yeah they and might it's, still it's, be experiencing some um, an emotional desire not to be touched but also they their skin might be responding in some ways there's always outliers possibly and i i suspect um i suspect i suspect for a lot of those people the the processes that are triggered by skin hunger are happening anyway but you know i'm i'm now guessing but yeah and there are always outliers as well there may be people yeah, to whom so this doesn't apply like you know there are people who who smoke 100 fags a day and live till 104 and mm. you know like so it it is not it's yeah. it's it's not also i see some people saying oh my god i'm dead i'm toast but it's not it's not as simple as to say if you're alone in quarantine you're 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 dead on monday just yeah. to be clear it's a study looking at long term effects and just being uh, raising an awareness of the impact because yeah. we know about smoking but we don't talk about the impact of someone not being touched like elderly people who live alone not being given a hug or yeah. you know disabled people who might be living alone who might be able to get out as much um and or it's, just it's people who of, are it's, it's part cut of off from the community. wider system of your sensitivity to your social environment so for some people the amount of um affiliative need so like the amount of like feeling close to other people that they need in order to feel okay is lower mm -hmm. Um, so, oh, I never, yes, see reactive protein. I was talking about allostatic load. Um, so, Ale oh, I've lost my so This is Rachel Craftman who books The Guilty Feminist. He's asking, hello, Rachel Craftman. She's asking, what's the relation to CRP inflammation and skin touch? Rubes, okay. can you please explain this question, this intelligent question from the clever Rachel Craftman and then give us the answer? Okay, so. <laughs> Chonk was saying, I've always thought of myself as an outlier. <laughs> John Paul runs the, the Girls Feminist Patreon. She yeah. said, I mean, we're all outliers in different ways. We're all outliers from different things. Um, yeah. we're, out, we're all outliers in different, uh, in different situations. Um, so sorry, can you ask, uh, can you answer Rachel's question? 
I can try. So um, the, the key finding with C-reactive protein is that it's higher in more marginalized people, basically. What is that protein? Um, it's, it's an inflammatory marker. So it builds up as a result of patterns of inflammatory responses over time. Um, so like when something, this is, this is um, tricky, but like when something, when there's a, when there's a threat, right? Your mm -hmm. body gets ready to deal with it and different right. threats it deals with in different ways. So if but a tiger came in here now, I, my, my uh, uh, amygdala, would be, amygdala would be activated. I would be getting ready to run. There'd be all sorts of things that would happen in my body that aren't happening normally. Yeah. That might not be great for my body, but it's better than being eaten by a tiger. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, and you know, there are, it's also better for your arm survival and also for your reproductive success to be able to um you know form and maintain good relationships with the other people in your tribe so to mm -hmm. speak right and um and and so that that is a social threat is a, is a kind of a distinct kind of threat and it's very um you know it, it i i think it's a really important dimension of this because we know right that there's a huge health disparity between the most socially accepted groups and the least mm. socially accepted groups. And well, that's physical health as well as mental health. In physical health as well as mental health. And those effects aren't straightforwardly explainable. Um, you know, estrogen in theory should protect your heart, but trans women have higher rates of cardiovascular disease than cis men. And it, I think it's because of allostatic load because every time you go outside, you're faced with a novel threat of each person who might potentially be a threat and then the ones that are. Um, and- uh, So you have to look for tigers everywhere. Because You're always yeah. on the alert for a tiger on the tube because yeah. someone might- The more might, people who um, hate you, the more tigers there are. In right, the more violence you have to be alert for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're on the tube and you're thinking, am I gonna get, um, uh, some kind of transphobic violence in either verbal or physical or just a, a microaggression. So you're there going, uh, you know, just, just on the alert, on the alert, on the alert. Cause I think that um, I've, I've said that for years, you know, in a, in a, in a, in, in a terms of a gender divide that I've talked to uh, the, the cis men in my life who say they do not, they're not just not, they're not just on low level alert all the time for being attacked. Like, especially at night, I'm just on, I'm just on alert. I'm on alert. I'm nowhere near how alert I'd have to be if I were a trans woman, but more alert than my cis male friends say yeah. that they are. So it's, that's really interesting. So what you're saying is the more marginalized you are in society, the more on alert you have to be for tigers, the more of your adrenaline you're using up. And therefore the more you are, the, 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 uh, the more you are susceptible to illness and other diseases. Right, so you have this higher allostatic load, and the, the 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 reason I'm talking now about allostatic load and C-reactive protein, which is a really um, quite a common marker that's used to measure it, um, is because social exclusion is a, an allostasis trigger, um, and touch is something that really ameliorates that effect dramatically. Oh, so it because it's a dem it's demonstrative. It's like you are in this tribe because I'm yeah. touching you, even if it's our little tribe of two. 
exactly. here, here, yes, which, we, you know, in our, in our world. people who are a bit anxious hearing this some reassurance, because the thing is that we are also, in other ways, closer to each other. Yes, it's related to oxidative stress. Oxidative stress can be caused by certain types of um, uh, allostatic load uh, pathways. Mm -hmm. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, Someone's asking about the link to depression. Is that also, is that, is that separate and also likely to be exacerbated or do you think those things are connected? They're connected. They're connected, yeah, but like both ways. So the more depressed you are, you're cognitively behavior, behaving differently. You're treating the world as more threatening. Um, uh, this is an interesting point. Someone says this is fascinating. Similar to fat phobia and the impact on health that is often put down to weight itself rather than the stresses of navigating the world in a fat body. Yeah, but so I when mean, you said before about being obese or extremely obese, yeah. do, is that, do you think that's a factor there that, uh, that there may be some... Uh, there, there may be some of the the health risks with being uh, in a uh, in a fat body may not all be down to them to the most obvious ones that the the doctors would uh, that most doctors would correlate. That may be also about exactly what you're talking about being othered in society. Yeah, absolutely, Abs absolutely, definitely. I mean, I, again, this is this is very much my opinion and not an area of expertise really of mine, but. That I really see that link, um, you know, and and certainly, you know, when I came across this um, Holt Lundstad paper, that with the specific comparison to both smoking and obesity, mm -hmm. I just thought, of course, you know, of course, fat people get ostracised and have to look at the world as if it's full of threats because when you're fat, it is mm -hmm. because we have a really fat phobic society. Mm -hmm. So the, so the, the, you get on the, on public transport and you're just alert for any transphobic tigers, which could, 
do anything from make you feel detribed and uncomfortable to actually severe violence, someone could kill you. Um, and cis women experiencing experience that uh, in a in a way that is less likely to provoke quite so much adrenaline, but also because we have to, you know, be concerned about sexual assault and gendered violence, all of those things. And then uh, if you're, uh, so, so it's about how many tigers are in your purview. And so if you are in a fat body and you, got an, you get on an aeroplane, you think, oh God, where are the tigers gonna be? Is somebody gonna sit down next to me and huff and puff? Is someone gonna ask to move? Is the flight attendant gonna make a remark and people gonna stare? So um, uh, that's a really interesting, so that, so it's, it's sort of like where society does not, uh, does not accommodate or, see, or in some way dehumanizes you. So if you're a fat person at a party for fat people in a very fat positive space, then you will not be seeing those tigers. You will not be frightened. You will not be, your adrenaline will not be going up. And same as uh, queer people in queer spaces. Uh, Rachel's saying, could it be, a contributing factor to why 80% of autoimmune diseases are recorded in women? I, I don't know, but I suspect not. I think the conversations around autoimmunity, autoimmunity is a little bit, um, I mean, this is, you, you want to talk about getting outside my, uh, my academic <laughs> I'm, this is, Wow, but okay, here we go. Um, my mum has an autoimmune disease, so I will take a stab at it from from the sort of family member point of view um, as well. So I think- Look, you're the most qualified on this Instagram live. <laughs> the more of the two of us, okay. you're more qualified. So, <laughs> I'll take that. So I'll weigh that. in on that base. Okay. The British public are tired of experts anyway, Rubes. Oh, that's true, that's true. So, that's true. so I mean, not, if you've got a no, vague- I'm not an expertise. expert, so you should listen to me because I'm <laughs> But so, um, yeah, autoimmune diseases are much more common in, in um, well, certainly uh, cis women. I don't know whether the difference has been studied in trans people. I would guess it goes along broadly along assigned sex um, uh, lines. But the, um, the, 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 the thing about that is basically if the, if the reason that that was happening was allostatic load, then our explanation for why women generally live longer than men would go away, which is that women's immune systems seem on average to be stronger. Um. Um, and that's thought to be to do with pregnancy and childbirth. Oh yeah, somebody else says, I read some literature about this immune response in women is usually stronger than men. And it has been hypothesized that that can turn against the body and result in autoimmune disease. So that's interesting. It's sort of like when you have a strength that it, something that's, it's a bit like when you're, um, when you have to take immunosuppressants because something becomes overly, uh, overly active. Yeah. Uh, so now people are asking about pets. There's someone here who's saying uh, that he's a trans man and he thanks you for talking about this. That's nice. Uh, thank you, Jonas. Is it Jonas? Jonas is Martin. Um, uh, people talking about are there other ways of, if they are isolated alone, is, are pets helpful to stroke? Does that give you the same intimacy as skin on skin? Um, drawing purely on personal experience, yes. I think so. I don't know whether it would go, would go as far. I doubt it would go as far, but, um, you know, if we're thinking about, you know, what can people do to minimize this problem for themselves in their, 
you know, during that, during isolation, I would say pets are fantastic. If you haven't got pets, a cuddly toy, um, you know, the monkeys were all right with the, with it. Well, they weren't all right at all, but like the cuddly no, but they toy. Were, they were, they preferred that. Yeah. They actively preferred it. So it's obviously doing something or well. Yeah. It's, it's facsimiling something in a, yeah, yeah. obviously much less good way. And like also, so this is very much a personal thing, but I have a, a cuddly unicorn that I bought Ray for Christmas a few years ago and um, Ray left. Ray's your partner. Uh, yeah, Ray's my partner. Yeah, sorry. Um, and Ray left it here just before uh, they, like the last time they were here before lockdown started. And um, I cuddle that quite a lot. And I find that can feel like, I, I don't know, if you can anthropomorphize a cuddly toy, I think it's a good idea. But I also mm. think like, you know, the, the, little, the little group of, of four queer women that you set up with us two and Katya and Ellen, it, just feeling like you're in touch with people, it really, mm -hmm. that really does help. Um, I think this is, you know, the, 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 same, the same paper that I talked about earlier, you know, they, one of the things that they looked at was the amount and the, the positivity of the social contacts that you have. And I think if you, if you do have social contacts during this time where you're interacting with people who, I mean, geography isn't an issue anymore, right? This is, this is, the, this is the silver lining of all mm -hmm. this is that, you know, before if I wanted to do a Guilty Feminist event, I needed to like schedule it mm -hmm. way in advance so that I could like get on a plane mm -hmm. um, to come to London. And if I wanted to see some of my close friends who are in London, I would have to be in London. And now seeing people doesn't make any difference about like how close or how far apart we are. True, because you could live in this street and I couldn't see you. Exactly. So, so yeah, so we're, we're learning to that. <laughs> make our contacts. Um, so yeah. cuddly toys, pets if you have them, cuddly toys if you don't. Yeah. Um, uh, I think a small WhatsApp group is a really good idea. Um, I, I put you three together because I thought you had a lot in common and you were all um, queer women isolated alone. And I thought uh, that you just, you just should be in that small WhatsApp group. And that's proved very successful because even though you don't know each other, you're, you're kind of getting to know each other and you're sharing lots and it's a sort of safe space to go, look, I made a cake or, oh, I just sat an exam or, oh, I've just been for a run or, you know, um, and to, you know, the idea is there. The idea is there. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's, I feel like some of those things have happened. Oh, um, uh, catch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and, and so there's that. <laughs> Just, just a connection. But as soon as those WhatsApp groups get big, so I'm on some of those like 55 people. I don't, I don't kind of want to, you know, you can't put out something super intimate. You can't say, actually, I'm feeling really low today to 55 people. Some of the numbers you don't recognize. Um, it doesn't feel the same. Then it gets so big, it's an audience as opposed to a smaller intimate group. So it might be good to have a little WhatsApp group just with like two friends or three friends where there's probably four is a good number because there's always somebody around to go thumbs up, well done. Yeah. But uh, when it gets into 10, you can feel excluded, like, oh, no one's responding to my posts. So I think, because you can't respond to everything all of the time, it's all you would do. Um, so I think that could be a really useful thing. Um, what are people saying here? Um, 
physical distancing. Ah, glad people are very thrilled you've given them a justification to cuddle their toys. Um, and uh, I mean, there's other kinds of touch and other kinds of toys for that, but you guys know about that, I assume. Yes. What do you think it's going to do to all the kind of sex and intimacy stuff? Do you think my prediction that there will be more like Roaring Twenty sex parties is going to happen? Are people going to be concerned? Because I think there's going to be different post lockdown. It's going to be different from post vaccine. There's going to be two distinct phases, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But but I think it's I think. Do you remember on the podcast before I mentioned that in order to have sex, your brain kind of has to suppress your um, disgust response. You, That's you, right. You did. Yeah. So it was. It. Um, I mean, I'm glad it was on the podcast and not in bed. <laughs> it's not a sexy opening line. Just a second. I just need to. I just need to tone down my disgust response before I have sex with you. It's just, it's not a good, that's not a good t-shirt. Don't have I've only, I've only ever said that to a cis straight man. Fair. Fair. <laughs> I mean, fair. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't. I'm sure I you thought haven't. it, but I've never said it. Fair. Um, <laughs> but, um, yes. and, and you are of course not saying we feel, we feel disgusted when we're in bed with someone. It's no, just that we all. have to. That's the point. It's just that if any, if, if, if in any other situation, like uh, like bodily fluids and you know genitalia things like that you might go ooh um yeah. and it's well it's the response that i have if someone sends me a dick pic it's like yeah. why is that out but, of context but it, an erect penis yeah. in the right context can be hot but in in just just in your whatsapp in the middle of the day ugh. yeah and i don't feel like that about anything else if someone just randomly sent me a picture of a chocolate mousse i'd be like hmm feel like some moose yeah if someone sends me a picture of a penis i'm not like mm, feel like some penis but okay but is this is this is i'm just spitballing here but like the, <laughs> so to speak so to speak <laughs> but the i um, mean <laughs> but like not, here's not the a thing right yep if you see if you see like a nice i don't know like whatever it is about uh, a person that you find attractive mm. that isn't their genitals, mm. then nice you might ass, start thinking, nice now I fancy sex. And then once that's happened, other things might be less disgusting. Yes, that's what you're saying. You have to suppress, yeah. your body suppresses the natural gag that reflex that you would have <laughs> yeah, normally. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. So, so then join this up. You said this on the podcast before, join this up to what we were saying about sex in sex after life. quarantine so yeah yeah so i'm so something that we've been seeing and that i'm uh i will probably rant about at some point um is a known or an already known thing which is that after every pandemic or, ev or epidemic um whenever health anxiety goes up disgust sensitivity in the general population goes up oh because we ha it has to because that's how we keep ourselves safe yeah exactly and it then also because disgust sensitivity is implicated in moral reasoning so we use the same basic mechanisms to 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 that's why it's something is disgusting morally disgusting Taste is disgusting. Sensation is disgusting. It's one dimension of affect, really. 
Okay. Because of that, yeah. Um, socially conservative political um, viewpoints yes. gain traction after pandemics or after epidemics or periods of anxiety. <sighs> Because people can be, can, because their, their disgust triggers are up, they can be more disgusted by queerness because it's, it's part of the wider sexual conversation, but one that they personally, if they're straight and cis, or if they're living a straight and cis because they haven't dared to go there, yeah. they might go, oh, it's, it's easier to find an image outside your own sexual desires, whatever those might be, disgusting in a post-pandemic or in a, in a pandemic or post-pandemic world. So yeah. we need to be on alert for queer phobia? Um, yeah, I think we need to be on alert for the rise of fascism, essentially. I think it's already been happening yeah, before has... COVID came, and I think COVID is going to make it a lot, lot worse. And the thing that, or potentially, potentially, not, not going to, but could do. And so the thing that I've been thinking about is that it can kind of go one of two ways, right? One is we will all look at Donald Trump and America and go, oh, right, capitalism is a death cult and swing to the left. Mm -hmm. Or we will all Pull go- Pull the ladder up, Jack. Borders up. We don't want any of your foreign germs in here. That's exactly. what started it in the first place. People right. moving around is a problem. People, you know, all these touchy feely feelings are bad because then you mm -hmm. make, then you might touch someone and then you're going to spread the virus. I mean, it's not mm -hmm. that logical, but that is kind of um, a simplification of, of, of that kind of process. And I think, um, so I think that there, there will be sex parties, um, but um, you're going to have difficulty finding a venue. It's basically what I think. <laughs> There's going to be- Wow, what an insight. Ruth, <laughs> Ruth. Yes. I feel like this should be a two-parter. Everyone's saying this is the best episode yet. And we're getting so much insight from you. Um, and I don't want this to be so long we get cut off. And I'd rather do two parts. I think it could be a Rubes part one, Rubes part two. Our audience, if we came back on Monday, if Rubes was free for part two of the new normal, would you be up for that? Would you, would you be interested in a part two? Jonk was saying yes. Because um, I think it would be good because I think this episode will get a lot of plays on YouTube. And I'd like to have two really watchable compact episodes as a part a and a part b um sure. and i'm and i am no i am i'm trying to keep this to half an hour and some i did yesterday uh because i think they're more watchable um yeah. so yeah people are liking this idea there's lots of thumbs up so i'm going to end now by asking you what uh will you do when you get out of here if you if they said quarantine's over now we found about what's the first thing you're going to do quarantine's over right now um, what's the thing you're desperate to do hug my partner oh. yeah i'm um, and get married i mean this is the other thing before this happened we were literally planning a wedding um because we're meant to be moving to uh canada later mm. this year for me to start a postdoc looking at allostatic load in trans women um <laughs> and um which is why i've had to read up on it lately and um the the whole just being on my own like even even before like lockdown and stuff i just found it really hard being away from ray for extended periods of time and it was something that we decided because we you know we decided to to, to when we were sort of making decisions a few years ago we decided that you know we both kind of wanted an academic career and we both 
you know, and we, and we know that that involves moving around a lot. And we thought, well, we'll just do it and we'll see how mm. it goes. Mm-hmm. And our relationship has been great. Like, I mean, I'm extremely lucky um, in the person I, oh. Reverend, <laughs> Reverend Kate has Reverend said, I'll Kate marry you, darling. I promise so good. <laughs> but, we're, but you still can't do it not in person. <laughs> so. No, not right now this second. So that needs to happen. Um, but yeah, so that was, um, so that, that, that's probably number one. And then num- number two would be my granddad, who's um, quite ill. And if he gets it, if he gets coronavirus, he will die. Um, but if he doesn't get it, he might be okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, you want to see your special people. I want to see my special people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing, like, I, I've joked a lot about, like, craving sex and stuff, but it just, I don't know. Like, I had a very active sex life before this, and mm-hmm. I'm starting to think I don't need it as much as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. What, I, what, I, what I need is, like, people. Mm. not bodies mm. connection and hugs and yeah i understand yeah. that's been a very a typically intelligent and sensitive answer from you oh. uh rude j walsh <laughs> i'm sure we've got our t-shirt slogan uh already but if you are are you definitely free on monday um i should probably just double check but i think i'm but pretty no, sure i am because la- this this week this week was a one-off so i'm normally free on a monday no, actually, I'm not normally free on a Monday, but this we could do it tomorrow. We could do a second part tomorrow. I had asked Steve, but I haven't heard back. So you could do it Friday if you want. I could move Steve to Monday. That would be easier. Okay. So tomorrow is part two. So cool. uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m., uh, come back and hear more fascinating scientific insights with uh, a heavy helping of compassion and liberal values from Rubes J. Walsh. We really look forward to that. And we'll hear about your feminist ask tomorrow. Um, So uh, Rubes, it has been genuinely wonderful. We will see you back here tomorrow at six o'clock. And uh, if everyone who's watching this live, if you could tell people to watch it over the next 24 hours on the Uh, It'll be in the stories and then after that on YouTube, because I'm sure a lot more people will be interested in this. So if you could direct them to it, uh, share it on your stories, tell people about it, tell people that you found it interesting. That would be great for us. Uh, In the meantime, thank you so much, Rubes, for coming on. Pleasure. Say goodbye to Rubes J. Walsh, everybody. Bye. And uh, check out our T-shirts at guiltyfemist.com. Check out our Patreon uh, if you would like to support us, we would love you too, and we'd love you to be part of our community. Oh, speaking of t-shirts, yeah, capitalism is a death cult. Oh well, that could be. I mean, you might get two t-shirts if you do two days. Oh, okay. Well, I'll save that one for yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> Lots of love. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you at six o'clock tomorrow. Bye.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 